Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Turtles. I know I say that like uh, it's only been a month since the last one. I know it's been a while, but time is a limited resource, and I don't have enough of it. So I apologize for that. Anyways, a little update to this podcast. My lovely wife, Rebecca, is taking a break. Simply because, like I mentioned earlier, time is a limited resource. She is now working more. She's still the most talented water quality technician I've ever known. She's an absolute specialist. And when you're working that much and a mom to two kids and a caretaker for a menagerie of animals that we have here, time runs out. And it's also, well, it's darn near impossible for the two of us to have some quiet time to record a podcast with all the aforementioned living organisms that are at this house. So she is taking a break. I'm sure she'll pop in every now and then, Uh, but we're going to kind of move forward a little bit. During one of the last episodes, we talked about our dog Grimm. Uh, So I just wanted to give an update on him. Uh, It's not a good update, so prepare yourselves. But Grim once again ate something, and it got caught in his digestive tract. Uh, we immediately brought him in for surgery, and unfortunately, there was not much they could do at that point. He was uh, there was too much scar tissue, so unfortunately, we did every. I mean, we did everything we could, and just unfortunately for Grim, it didn't work out, and we had to make a real difficult decision for the household here. So. We've had time to grieve. This was back in March. So, yeah, that's one of those things with living animals is things don't always work out the way they're supposed to, and it can be unpredictable, and sometimes good things don't happen. But we're really, really fortunate to have had Grimm in our lives for as long as we did. He was very well loved here, and we still love him, and we're going to miss him. So let's talk about something a little more uplifting now. Uh, just a little turtle news here. We got the box turtles uh, outside. I love my Florida box turtles. They're outside living their best life. I have been for the summer. And honestly, I didn't get, I didn't put them out last summer. And I don't even know why. I'm looking back. I think because they were laying eggs and I didn't want to mess with it. But they laid 10 eggs this year between my two females. And all of them were infertile. And I just have this... And I just have this feeling that it's possible that the lack of that natural sunlight spending those two or three months outside may have contributed. And that may be crazy talk, but either way, it's good for them. So I'm going to do that again. And they're out there enjoying their time. Um, For my pancake tortoises, I still have two males and one female. And those two males are just not getting along. They're not hurting each other, but they're stressing each other out. One male tries to breed the other and then tries to breed the female and vice versa. So uh, we're going to be looking to find a new home for that boy. One of those boys, at least. Maybe bringing in another female. I don't know. We'll see. But they're getting pretty big now, so it's kind of fun to see them almost full size. Lastly, and certainly not least, we have hatched two Holmes Hingeback tortoises, Conixus homiana. It's very, very exciting for me. 
This is a species I made a conscious decision to uh, get into back in 2018. I did a lot of prep and research into why and why I wanted to keep them and, and whatnot. I mean, these are a species that traditionally have always been imported a lot and died, honestly, quite a bit. Uh, they, they go through a lot to be imported from where they're from. And it takes a long acclimation period for them to survive and then even longer for them to thrive. So I have captive bred animals mostly and, uh, and a couple animals here on loan. But it was really, really exciting to see little tiny critically endangered tortoises hatch out of their shell uh, and be another generation of captive bred animals. So that is very, very exciting. And they have really good genetics, and I'm excited to work with the Conixus Working Group to find out if these are tortoises that should stay here with me for a while. I mean, they could stay here forever if they wanted to, but um, to see if there's someone out there who could use this bloodline to strengthen their their group of Conixus homiana. So uh, we'll learn a little bit more about the Conixus Working Group in this episode because we are doing our first interview. So I'm really, really excited today because you are going to hear an interview with uh, my friend Tom Arbor. Uh, he's a, an Ohio guy, a turtle and tortoise enthusiast, an absolute Conixus enthusiast at that, and has been very helpful to me throughout my time keeping Conixus. We had a great chat. Get to know Tom a little bit and uh, hear us talk a little bit about Conixus and and other things as we go along, but uh, buckle up and uh, get ready to listen to us chat for about an hour here. So let's talk turtles. All right, Tom. Well, I guess uh, even though you just kind of, we spoke a little bit about it just a second ago, do you want to tell the li listeners a little bit about yourself and your experience yeah. with Colonians? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I'm from Ohio grew up in Northeast Ohio and I, I don't know, I think actually it was a, a single trip to a nature center, a metro park on the west side of Akron. It was called the Cyberling Nature Realm. And uh, I can remember just watching turtles all afternoon, painted turtles uh, with my grandfather, probably when I was like five or six. And that just got me hooked shortly after my parents found a painted turtle walking across the road when they were going out to eat and brought it home. And I kept it in a little uh, kiddie pool in the backyard. And since then, I've just really loved turtles and they've always been my favorite animals. Awesome. Awesome. I, so many of us have like stories from when we're very, very young. Yeah. Um, I don't. I was a late bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, and turtles are it. I mean, I've dabbled with lizards and frogs and stuff like that, but I, I always say if I would go back and get a PhD, it would be for turtles. Oh, they would like that, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as far as um, I first uh, met you, quotes, air quotes, yeah. Through, through Facebook when I decided I wanted, I don't know what it was, I just decided that I wanted to uh, keep some Conixus and I ended yeah. up talking to Jeremy Thompson and then yeah. that opened up a world of Conixus people like you and David and yeah. um, we started talking a little bit. Um, so I started realizing that uh, you are a big 
Knixis head. Yeah. So what is it really about Knixis that you love? And was, yeah. were they the first turtles that you kept after, I'm assuming there was some time when you didn't maybe keep animals and then you're like, no, turtles need to be a part of my life. Yeah. Um, I have continually kept, kept them since 1999. I've had a Knixis. Um, I was mostly keeping aquatic turtles as a kid. Uh, occasionally box turtles people would bring me and I don't know I just always thought there was something cool about tortoises and there was this pet store on the west side of Akron called Two Turtles Pet Shop so anybody in the Akron area man this was the place and they had tortoises for sale I'd never seen so many interesting different tortoises in this one enclosure they had a pancake the first time i ever saw a pancake they had elongated they had red foot they had yellow foot and they'd also have forest hinge packs so the forest hinge packs were 50 bucks and you know the pancake was i don't know 300 bucks at the time which was tons of money and so I wanted a red foot. I wanted an elongated. I wanted all of those awesome ones, but I could access the forest hinge back for 50 bucks. Right. And that was the cheap tortoise. And so that's really how I got into keeping tortoises just because they were the cheapest uh, and hingebacks were, and I couldn't keep them alive back then. I probably had four in high school the homianas. Um, I didn't really know they were Conixus homiana at the time. And, you know, you just didn't know. We didn't have the information that we have now. You couldn't go online and, and, and you know, see photos of where they're from or um, access scientific journals like you can now. Um, so it was pretty much just a crapshoot, right? Just sort of maybe you could find something about them in a book um but i couldn't keep them alive we didn't have good reptile vets and um eventually i stopped keeping them got more into lizards and in 1999 i found a bells type hinge back in a local pet store and that animal had been in captivity for a long time it was established it was really healthy it was still only like 75 dollars. i bought that animal and that was a what we now call the western hinchback kinexis no gooey and i had her for about 21 years and really that's what got me hooked on that species and then just after i got her the federal government banned the import of that species along with leopard tortoises and sulcatas in the year 2000. So I got two more animal animals just before that ban hit and had those animals for like 20 years as my only reptiles after having those tortoises and a bunch of other stuff. But um, I've had one Russian tortoise. That's it. Only only Kinexis tortoises. I've had, I've had plenty of turtles over the years, but uh, yeah, so they were the cheap tortoises. That's how I got into them. I like them because they're small, they're interesting, they eat lots of different foods. Um, they're quite diverse. We're learning just how many species there are. Um, they're really unique and fascinating, stay small. 
and they have a lot going for them, um, especially now that we're producing captive bred animals. The sky's the limit. Yeah, they're they're just they're my favorite genus of tortoises, or or they're equal right there with box turtles because I yeah. find them so analogous um, to each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So you mentioned like. Well, you mentioned they were 50 bucks and yeah. this was a while ago. Yeah. And even now, if you find them imported, yeah. they're a hundred bucks. hundred bucks. Just kind of shows you what a lot of um, hobbyists think of the the species. And yeah, like that was one of the things that drew me to them is in the hobby. I see a lot of animals that are frequently imported and rarely bred. And is it because they can't or is it difficult? And, and then, you know, I see, yeah. well, at the time it was Hingeback Tortoise Central. Yeah, yeah. And now... Um, I like the title. I, I love the change. The the two turtles, Tom. Yeah. Um, and I just see, like every time I, I click on something, like a short or something, there's another Conixus hatching at two yeah. Tom's turtles. So or two turtle Tom's. So yeah. <laughs> how's it how how's it been thinking about having a real difficulty getting them to acclimate for fifty dollar sure. tortoises to yeah. where you are now, where it's yeah. I mean I, I don't want to say it to. Yeah. Like you're kind of like a Conixus factory at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, it's, I think there's a lot of people that helped me get to that point and organizations that have helped me, including the Turtle and Tortoise Preservation Group and attending their annual meeting in 2019 and talking to so many people that had worked with difficult species, seeing what they do to produce, the level of detail you need to put into it, the time, the commitment, the observation of your animals to understand what they're doing, what their, what their hormones are like, what their seasonal cycles are like having access to the research. Luca Lucelli uh, from Italy, he's done a lot of work in the past 20 years on Conixus, so you can actually read scientific papers about the, them in the wild and, and then transfer that science into husbandry. Um, so, so all of those things really kind of got me on that path. Um, combined with a big life change, um, I, professional life change. I was um, working for the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. My primary job was to manage the state nature preserves in Ohio, do administrative stuff in Columbus. I was all over the place, oh, rare natural systems across the state. And um, that was a great job. I loved it, absolutely. But it just, I sort of reached a level where I couldn't grow anymore. And so I switched over to um, working in a trails position and more, more money, more stress, but <laughs> I wasn't doing stuff with nature. I'm like, man, I just, what could I do that's totally different? Not like what I was doing before, um, but would still be along the lines of conservation combined my love of turtles. And hey, I have these pets essentially that I've had for 20 years. So you put that all together, an email to Dave Mifsud, who says, I'm in Af Africa right now studying Conixus uh, with Jeremy at the time. That just all coalesced into what I'm, I have now. And that's been a four-year journey from when I 
reached out to Dave in 2018. So you're much happier now. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I've, I've, I left the state government and, uh, so I have a totally new job now and it just complements what I do very, very well, but I had always wanted to produce them always. Um, just didn't, I didn't have the, I, I didn't have that, I think peer or mentor that you could look at and understand what it actually takes to, to, um, you have to have these animals thrive, right? They have to be in peak condition. Absolutely. You, you, you can't do anything less than 99% if you want animals in captivity to reproduce. I mean, you just can't. And if, if you cannot give that commitment, you know, chances are you're putting your animals at harm in, in, in the long run. So seeing that from from members in the ttpg going to that meeting in arizona seeing what other people are doing seeing that level of commitment to one species yeah that's what got me going awesome so the, the ttpg um the turtle and tortoise preservation group right yeah exactly um i i and i'm sorry for all the any ttpg members listening i just joined this year yeah uh, <laughs> good there's so many groups but um yeah, as yeah. i become more tor- turtle and tortoise focused yeah in my personal life and and in my career um it was time to to give more money that way so i don't know if i'll make the meeting this year but i'm making it a point to try to get there in 2023 cool assuming monkeypox hasn't taken over the world <laughs> Because we <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I'm I don't knocking. Think it's airborne. Knocking on wood. <laughs> hey, it's it's African, so I, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of all all organisms from Africa. <laughs> but yeah, it the meetings are great, and the best thing about these meetings, and you know, kind of the brainchild of Russ Gurley, he puts these together, so you have leading experts in the world there um people like bill mccord you know i'm 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 standing across from bill mccord looking at um these succulents at a succulent nursery on the field trip and i'm like who's this guy and someone's like that's bill mccord <laughs> like oh like, and uh dennis urig <laughs> and the urig slider is named after um and you know then you have people like Ken Foos and uh, the Fife brothers talking about their tortoises in the bathroom, you know, their Galapagos tortoises. <laughs> and, um, you know, then you have PhDs, professors, faculty members that are doing turtle research. Uh, you have vets there that are, are um, doing turtle medicine, colonial medicine. Um, and then you have professional zookeepers like Lauren Augustine from St. Louis was, was One of my there. Faves. Um, and, uh, Shana Fredlake from, I think Fort Worth Zoo was there the last time, uh, giving talks. So it's, and then you have just someone that likes turtles and tortoises, uh, the average keeper that just wants to learn more and do better. Um, and then Mark Cantos, he was there from the Turtle Source in, in Florida, um, 
one of the b- biggest producers of, of turtles for pets, uh, probably in the country. So it's this giant mixing pot of turtle people from every perspective. The, the only perspective, which actually I probably was it, was the conservation perspective. People that really kind of work with them in the field. Um, that wasn't there. And I was not representing myself as that <laughs> when I was at that meeting. Those conferences are so great. I think it, one of the things I always love is like, I, I you grow up and you hear those names like McCord and stuff, and then you meet yeah. them and just reinforces that they're just people. Absolutely. Incredible people. But Incredible and then it gives, I swear yeah. it just builds like confidence and energizes you. Also, because social media yeah. is so, I, I love using sh- social media yeah. and reaching out to people, but meeting them and seeing all these cool people from yeah. so many different backgrounds. Uh, I don't know. I have always found conferences energizing. I haven't yeah. been to the TTPG, but there are yeah. some similar ones in the, in the zoo world that yeah. um, makes me feel extra excited. Once I'm gone, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do so much now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was it. That's what really just got me going and cranking these things out. Um, so yeah, looking at some of your uh, YouTube shorts, yeah. I ran across uh, Dent. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was such a neat thing. And it was one was one was like, look at Dent. Oh my gosh, what's going on? Yeah. And it was like, hey, Dent healed himself. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was so spectacular. But also, yeah. I hadn't really seen much of that. I wanted to ask you about Dent and kind of what you yeah. thought was going on there. Explain a little bit of um, I don't know what the Dent uh, was. Sim- sim- simply put, you know, you you see a tortoise pip, right? And it's it's most it's 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 an exciting time because you've been waiting like 150 days plus for these animals as you know um now but um kind of like okay the next part okay is it gonna get it out of get out of the egg and does it have its eyes does it have its (laughs) legs and toes i mean this is we we haven't figured this totally out right and and things happen um so that one just looked at the egg and it had like on its right costal scoop one and two it just had a fairly big dent in the carapace um i'd never seen anything like that and uh wasn't sure what was going on um and treated it like any other tortoise that i have and slowly but surely that just hardened normally and yeah can can i tell which tortoise is dent yeah i can there's a little bit of a ridge there but for the most part that dent has completely hardened over and and pushed out so i don't know you know there a lot of cartilage in those small hatchlings and uh whatever was wrong was able to work itself out at least morphologically outside and uh all good there with dent (laughs) just needed time to unfurl yeah Um, i but i'd never i've not seen that and you know i've pumped out about 30 of these guys so that was a first (laughs) i think it's just another testament to how resilient and durable a lot of turtles and tortoises can be even though hatchlings and neonates are very very uh can be very delicate but still yeah. this one had a dent in it and gave yeah. it a few weeks and it's like let me get that 
popped it out. Let's go. Where's my earthworm? Yeah. 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 Give, give me some uh, pellets, some greens and mushrooms and we'll, we'll take care of this. All right. So hopefully I'm not jumping around too much here. Yeah. Uh, If you haven't been able to tell, I want to focus really on Knixis. The, so you mentioned earlier that Conixus are, you had a lot of trouble when you first started getting Conixus. You got it yeah. from the pet store because I'm yeah. sure they were farmed and stuff. But, you know, what makes it so difficult for an imported tortoise? Um, and now, would you consider captive bred Conixus homiana or any Conixus really a, a decent beginner uh, tortoise species for sure. a keeper? Sorry, that was a two-parter. Yeah, so would I consider them? I I think that they're an intermediate tortoise. Um, that being said, like a captive bred Conixus homiana, those things are bulletproof. I've never I've had them all eat no problem. Um, they grow quickly. They don't need lots of heat or heat bulbs. I think most people actually cook them too much. They keep them too hot. Um, so I personally, I think that is the tortoise that has an amazing future as a pet. Um, we just have to produce more. Um, the speak back, which I've never kept, I think is, is a really good choice as well um, for a first tortoise. And, but what you just, you have to, know that they're not a testudo and you cannot feed them or treat them like a testudo and they eat live animals like earthworms pill bugs anything else they can find crawling around the forest floor in addition to mushrooms slugs and um, you know i feed my squash in nature they probably will eat any fruit that they can get there just isn't a lot of fruit laying around um so that's what you need to know, um, that they're different. So if you have no experience with tortoises and learn what Conixus need, that's almost actually better than if you say you have a Russian tortoise and you take care of a Russian tortoise and then get a Conixus. Because if you treat your Conixus like your Russian tortoise, you're not going to fare very well. I think that's a really, really good point you just made there. Because yeah, that's what I when I was first looking into Conixus, that's what I, I saw a lot of people trying to do. Yeah. Um, you know, they've had a pancake tortoise, or they've had Russian tortoises, you know, these more grazing kind of grassland tortoises. Yeah. And they weren't prepared for, again, I keep referring back to a box turtle, because they're, yeah, they seem to be cooler, um, and have a, a much more omnivorous diet yeah. than even I imagined. So yeah, uh, mine will pick through a lot of the greens and stuff and leave oh, yeah. those there and take the mushrooms and the and the worms and occasional mouse parts yeah I, I think more than anything when i look at iNaturalist, when i read the research these tortoises live in either either the woods or thickets of woody plants so there's not like testudo walking around in in shrublands places like that where you have seasonal rains annual plants they germinate flush really quick you have this lush growth those tortoises eat that you just don't have that in woodland habitats so 
they're eating worms, they're eating bugs, and they'll go out, especially the western hingebacks and the savanna types, even though they're really forest types, they just live in the woods in the savannas. Um, <laughs> the, they're going out and, and eating some plants, but um, like a homiana, there's no soft, fleshy plants growing on the forest floor in Africa. It's just, it's too dark uh, for anything to grow that they could reach. So yeah, they're eating mushrooms, they're eating bugs, they're eating slugs, they're eating fish that wash up on the side of a creek, road or carrion, they'd, they'd eat roadkill, they'd eat feces. Um, so they're, I call, like the homianas are like the garbage trucks of the African forest. They just kind of go around and eat, <laughs> eat whatever organic stuff they can find. I think. Uh, very different from what a testudo does. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you nailed it there again. They just, oh, man, the captive red ones seem to be bulletproof and they eat, yeah. they eat stuff you wouldn't think. I, yeah. I recently fed, um, some quail chicks to them oh, yeah. just to see it just offered yeah just curious oh yeah didn't hesitate yeah. from across the from across their holding space it just came right yeah. over and just started going to town they're just yeah. i i call them very metal they're metal tortoises oh yeah that's cool yeah <laughs> i mean you can you can just imagine that in the african forest the west african forest i mean there's tons of birds and everything and and some not every baby chick makes it out right um maybe it dies in the nest the mother pushes it out it falls to the floor tortoise walks around oh there's there's some carrion i can eat gobble 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 <laughs> they're generalists they generally and, and, eat everything yeah they're scavengers and i i think <laughs> what we're learning you know you'll, you'll see these pictures of aldabras or videos of aldabras killing birds and things like that tortoises are scavengers they're not herbivores. They just, the ones that we really know of as tortoises, what, are they, what can they scavenge? Plants, that's it, because that's about all that's in there. But when these tortoises, forest tortoises live in really high productive ecosystems, they're like, I don't want to eat plants. I'm going to eat like dead stuff. Um, and, and that's the big difference between a forest tortoise, which has all of this food just potentially falling down on, on the forest floor from above and yeah, a, a desert or kind of a Mediterranean style tortoise. Now, I don't know what kind of predators they really have to deal with in the wild, yeah. but I'm remembering, yeah, I believe uh, an article that you shared on yeah. Facebook a while ago that included chimpanzees. Yeah, chimps eat Conixus arosa. It was a paper, I think it was either in science or nature. It was one of the you know two biggest journals, I forget which one, um, but this was like novel. Like chimps eat tortoises. That scares me. Um, and and uh, there's there's a guy on Facebook named Henry Jacobson that started to work with Homiana on iNaturalist. He found a picture of a mandrel, which is this like fascinating um, mammal, primate, ape, uh, with like the males have these long noses and blue faces and this mandrel is holding like a four inch conixus arosa in its hands <laughs> looking at it like i'm gonna eat this thing so Man. <laughs> it, i i yeah it's it's rough i mean i i um leopards i'm sure eat them 
Um, I, I was talking to Paul Bodner, who works with crocodiles. I don't know if you ever met him, but but um, the osteolamus, the dwarf crocodiles, I can see them picking off Conixus oh. uh, Erosa and Homiana as they're just walking through the forest at night and they run into one. They would probably eat them, smaller ones. So um, yeah, I didn't even think about those. It's kind of a doggy dog world there in, in the in the forest. Uh, I think what's so cool about like the mandrel anecdote and, and, yeah. the, and the and the chimps is that I think again this reinforces that uh, we don't know crap. Pardon my language, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean. It's yeah. and and I think that same principle applies to a lot of tortoises, especially Conixus. Like yeah. uh, there's so much we don't know. We're all just kind of doing our best and yeah, yeah. kind of using the information we have yeah. to make our best guesses yeah. and then you know trying to. Yeah. maybe extrapolate that to other Conixus species that are similar and yep but it's so much better than what we had 20 years ago which was maybe 15 pictures in the world of these things in the wild and now we can find hundreds and hundreds on a website like iNaturalist and, and just get a little peek into where they live can learn so much from just a photograph there yeah um yeah, so we're we're learning a ton. The research is there, thanks to people like Lucas Lucelli and uh, Tom Tomas Diagne. They're actually working with these animals in situ now. Uh, you know, two thousand is about when they started publishing their work. So nobody knew anything about these animals in the nineties. Yeah, uh, the, you can I, see. I, I, this, I will say the yeah. uh, exception there is the South African species. They were being studied, but not the West African species, which is the ones I work with. It seems like a lot of the forest species would be difficult to even get to. Yeah. You know, yeah. given not only just the terrain, but also, you know, geopolitical borders and, yeah. and things like, like that. So, yeah. yeah. And Some, just recently, I think you saw IUCN. I say recently, this was in the last, what, two years, three years, where the Homiana was, it, they it, have them listed as critically endangered yeah. now due to some recent assessments that they were able to do. Before yeah. that, they hadn't done an assessment since like the late 90s. Yeah, it, it was it was actually in the fall that they elevated it. Oh, to sorry, this was really yeah. recent. Yeah, it sorry. was really recent. So um, David Mifsud, who is you know one of the founders of the Conixus Working Group, and we know, mutual, uh, know Dave mutually, um, about a decade ago, he was part of a working group to assess uh, the different species of Conexus, and they recommended it to be critically endangered um, with the turtle and tortoise working group of IUCN. But for whatever reason, like a decade, they sat on that and finally um, just uh, upgraded them. But Conexus homiana, um, they're extremely endangered in the wild. Nobody believes that. That has seen hundreds, uh, if not thousands, come in every year for the past 40 years. But um, there's hardly any left. They're being eaten. The habitat is being destroyed at the same time. And um, there's just not much left. So there's a few people working with them in the wild in West Africa, but we're not going to see them um, much longer. It, it surprises me when we do have more come in. Um, Togo has, was the big country that exported them. They shut their export down of uh, 
Homiana, and now they're coming from Ghana. Um, these countries are really close together, though. Um, so who knows where the real origin of the animals are? Yeah, um, my brain then, immediately thinks they're just yeah same tortoises yeah. just gonna yeah. move over a yeah. little bit um there's there's a really interesting paper that you can learn and they were actually being farmed in ghana people would bring them into these certain farms and they would lay eggs and they raise them up um and you know you, you see this with the kenyan animals like some of them are about four inches that are coming in and then you see the adults well the adults are the ones they're getting from the wild the ones that are all four inches probably are hatched on these farms but um yeah they just shut it down togo said nope we thought this was sustainable but we can't find any tortoises anymore and oh, um habitat because it's it was they're being eaten um or they're being used uh for medicine medicinal purposes kind of traditional medicine um but from what i understand this this is not in some places it's subsistence but it's it's more a cultural practice. Um, I want to know more about that. Um, in some places, they actually are revered, and local tribes and communities uh, do not eat them and, and, and are are doing their best to preserve them and protect them. And if you Google like Kinnix's conservation, you can see some of those tribes. But um, yeah, so bottom line. Um, they're not easy to establish, but if you really want to challenge try to keep some of these homiana that are coming in for a hundred bucks alive and uh because they're not going to come in yeah and keep them in a separate room from your other turtles yes uh, absolutely for crying out loud wear gloves <laughs> um we know more than ever but um the, the these tortoises have parasites that you don't want your other tortoises to have ever they quarantine is important folks yeah yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I don't keep any, I only keep connections. I admire that. That is so hard to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I focus on a couple of things now where it's just at least, you know, genera that I'm yeah. focused on, but yeah. yeah, it would be a lot easier. I think about it all the time. Like Tom's got the right idea there, man. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> yeah. I, I do have one box, one three-toed box turtle and, uh, might be expanding that group here soon but uh oh and uh, other than that i like the sound of that you should do that tom for sure yes. i'm the worst influence <laughs> uh, you should definitely do that though yeah <laughs> yeah well we're uh we're working on that so but keeping it to an animal that's very similar to what i already keep and you know a species mm -hmm. that i can keep outside primarily uh away from the conixus so love it i'm a big fan of box turtles too yeah so yeah, um, again the, the worst thing to say i'm thinking about getting more yeah, i'm like you have yeah, to yeah absolutely yeah. what but, <laughs> but it, it just it comes back to that forest analogy both of these species live in the forest and for us here in the united states that have never been to africa don't really understand it that's the best analogy because it's a forest tortoise the box turtle is a scavenger it's going to eat fruit it finds it's going to eat a little baby dead bird it's going to eat some baby mice it finds squirreled away in a in a nest it's going to eat carrion it's going to eat worms bugs it will eat probably dandelion greens and other vegetable type plant matter when it can um, so it's very similar species and I, I i don't make that analogy a lot 
because I'm not a box turtle guy per se. So I feel like I need to be a box turtle guy to make that analogy. <laughs> Again, you should, Tom. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I it just they, the the way like the cooler temperatures their diet yeah. um the hinge you know like the hinge, they have just yep. an opposite kind of you know yeah. it's like catty corner hinge from yeah. a box turtle yeah um everything just reminds me of them and then one of the biggest surprises I've discovered with box turtles over the last three or four years is probably how aquatic almost all the different species of box mm. turtles are yeah. far exactly. more than I ever thought yeah. um. I, I keep Florida box turtles. Yeah. I really, I oh, think yeah. I got, I got a bunch from David. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's a turtle dealer, a friend, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but I'm Jordan Donini down at uh, yeah. Southwest Florida state or whatever. He's yeah. doing a lot of research on Florida box yeah. turtles and he's found them like feet underwater that's radio awesome. tracking them just yeah. hanging out like, so, and that's Florida box turtles, so a little different, yeah. but I think they like really, really damp conditions. And it's mm-hmm. kind of proving that with a lot of box turtles, I wonder if you would see that in the Erosa and the and the Homiana as well, where they oh, yeah. are very close. They're riparian tortoises, and yeah. they like that cool breeze. It kind of brings that temperature down, wet leaf litter, and, and things like that. And that's why they they're adapted to lower light, yeah. maybe dappled sunlight. And I think that. Do you think that would be a reasonable extrapolation, almost? Or uh, well, y- y- for sure. And if you read the habitat descriptions, even for Canixis nogui, which is a you know the, the savanna type, that's the western, it, it'll say marshes, and it'll just be like this real quick blurb, like forests, marshes, like marshes. Like, have you ever seen a uh, I don't know a desert tortoise being described living in a marsh, you know. Um, so, so that's yeah. a marsh hingeback tortoise. Yeah. Um, I, I I think there are these massive peatlands in, in in the Congo that we're just now discovering. Even I have a feeling those things are loaded with Canixis arosa. Um, so, um, Camp Ken, Kenan Harkin has a great video where he looks at hingebacks at Thai Park's Iguana Land facility, and they go in there. If, have, you, have you seen that video? I did see this one. Okay, I did so see this one. He's yeah, pulling but... them out of the water. Yes, like he, they've, it's essentially a wetland in the enclosure. So they, everybody thinks they're from Africa. I can keep them in Florida, really, really hot. They just go in the water down there to keep cool. Just like we go in the water in Florida, we either go down there to get in the ocean or get in the pool. So are the forest hingebacks. Love it. <laughs> Thinking of marsh hingeback tortoises. Yeah. How different that would sound than forest hingeback tortoise. Yeah. And what a name can make you believe and kind of lead yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Savannah has done that for no gooey and specky eye. Although specky eye, that's that's a pretty significant savanna. Like Kruger National Park is is the perfect spot if you want to know where speaks live. Look at pictures of Kruger National Park. They're all over that park. I love With the, the lions. I, yeah, <laughs> I love lions, but I don't want to be near them. They, yeah. mammals yeah. that are larger than me really freak yeah. me out. So there's there's a, there's a either a video or a picture of the speaks hingeback walking around a lion. I've I've seen that too. Probably yeah. yeah you probably posted it on Facebook or someone yeah. did. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the the two the the hingeback uh, the hingeback group is probably one of my most frequented groups on Facebook. And then the Canixis awesome. keepers and things yeah. like that. Um, as well as I guess that leads me right into uh, I like the uh, the Canixis working group. Yeah. 
Now, yeah, you're a heavy part of that. Yeah, along with uh, some other folks. Yeah. I don't know if you want to say a little bit about that because it's. I, I think it's such yeah. a cool situation. So, what what this is is a group of people that are working with Connexus and we're collaborating, and we we have a lot of different ideas. It's been challenging for us kind of leading it to implement some of those ideas because we're so focused on taking care of our own animals and, and hatching those animals. But um, the goal would be to manage stud books for four species, the homiana, the nogui, the erosa, and the, the speak, and uh, coordinate, work together. Um, we're starting to produce F2 animals now, and we need to understand who's related to who. Um, there are only AZA stud books for Erosa and Homiana. I don't think the Erosa one is active. Um, I don't believe it is. No. Saul, now, I know who's in charge of it. It's Saul Power, the Columbus Zoo. Um, but there's not many Erosa in captive AZA zoos. Uh, the Homiana stud book, that, there, there are several Homiana uh, in AZA facilities. So um just kind of filling those gaps and working together to make sure that we're placing animals when animals come up um we get offered animals and we'll put out the word and say hey we've got a new shipment coming in someone's offering these animals to connexus working group members for 50 bucks each instead of a hundred dollars or a hundred instead of 200 um keeping that communication and um just dedicating ourselves to this group and then kind of recruiting other people who want to work with Connexus for the long term like 10 years 20 years not just going to buy these animals keep them for a year or two flip them for their next turtle or tortoise which is very common in the hobby sure. unfortunately but yeah what I love about this is a lot of times we talk, I mean, you've heard the invisible arc and conservation through commercialization and those yeah. things kind of go around, but yeah. this is, this is different. This is a, a group of folks who care and want to preserve a species, not just the species, but want to preserve the genetic integrity of that yeah. species as well. Yeah. And that's going to pay dividends long-term more so than anything else that, you know, folks are working on because you're, you're doing that. You're, you're taking the time and getting them into in the hands of people who, who are committed. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, if, if somebody's listening and is interested in Conixus, I think you should really take the time uh, to reach out because it's a, it's a, it's a heck of a good group of folks who work with Conixus, very supportive group, very supportive group. And there's a lot of work to be done and that can be done. And, you know, it's a, it's really rewarding. I recently just hatched out to Homiana and it feels pretty awesome to be honest and especially yeah. knowing where they come from and they're yeah. fairly good genetic lines and my first thought isn't oh my gosh you know i gotta get these established and then i gotta find new homes it's like hmm i need to talk to some people and and see where these bloodlines would align next and yeah that's it's a it's a way better feeling to have that when something is hatching yeah. and you know i gotta yeah. get it eating and i gotta it, yeah exactly and we're super excited to have you join the ranks We've got a, a lot of people starting, right? But you're one of the first kind of coming to that end of the, the beginning, I guess we could call it. And I know what you mean. Well, game. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope. And, and then, yeah. But um, once 
I have found once you have what works for you and your animals and the eggs at your house or your facility, um, for me, it's, it's been um, pretty easy to repeat that. Even, you know, my family, we moved in May of 2021. And, you know, I had my husbandry numbers and thresholds all written down, knew exactly what I needed to replicate in the new space and was able to do that and have had no drop off in production. So nice. once you figure it out, I, I think you're just going to keep going and, and pumping them out. I think consistency is crucial. Yeah. Great point. For Conixus in particular, I think tortoises tend to be stubborn, but Conixus, for whatever reason, they hate change. They, everything about them is moderate, 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 you know, not too hot, not too cold. Uh, don't, don't change my enclosure or else I won't eat for a month. Um, I mean, they, they can be like that. Um, you know, like I've shipped animals to people and they're like, um, it's been two weeks. These haven't eaten. I'm like, ah, they'll eat. And sure enough, uh, I'm like, well, how about give it the same exact food on a white paper plate and try that? Because that's how I fed them. And sure enough, they ate right away. So they're, they're persnickety, but that's what makes them fun because um, it gives them personality. Yeah, I think they're persnickety until they're not. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they're like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. All right. And then it's like, the homes oh. are not persnickety. They tend to be like just give it to me <laughs> <laughs> just leave it on the plate just just I'll i got it. it yep i got it just leave me alone for about five <laughs> minutes and then then i'll i'll take over but all right so i think we've established pretty well that you're fond of conixus yeah yeah um i also really enjoy watching your youtube channel thanks um and but I noticed recently in the past year you've kind of transitioning yeah you transitioned from making a lot of videos and yeah. editing um, into the YouTube shorts now. Yeah. And I'm just curious if there's a reason for the switcher. I like them all. Like yeah. Um, so I really didn't have any more time to edit videos. Um, I would find myself shooting footage and just couldn't edit it um, simply because my time is spent taking care of animals. So when I had that output, when the channel started, I have all kinds of videos about setting up enclosures, um, introducing animals together, um, incubating eggs, um, you know, working with ones that are, just aren't responding, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, December 1st, 2019, I had my first animals drop. Um, and within four months, um, I, or within th three months, I had 29 hatchlings. <laughs> And that was my first successful year. That's a heck of a start, man. I had, and that was four animals produced 20, 28 hatchlings. Was 21 plus. Four animals produced those hatchlings, and one animal only produced one egg. Um, wow. So three animals produced 26 hatchlings. Um, oh my gosh. And so. Um, I kind of dropped off and then YouTube shorts started to become a thing. I hated them at first. And then, and then I, I, um, I joined TikTok. I'm like, oh, okay. This is what YouTube is trying to do. They're trying to imitate TikTok. 
And wow, I can make these things really quickly. And you know what? YouTube serves the videos to like a thousand people in five minutes. Um, so <laughs> more people, more people are seeing the stuff. Um, I, I have time to do it. So, I, you know, uh, what I'm, please subscribe to Turtle Tom. I'm at like 952. When I get to a thousand, I'll do my first long form video that I, you know, Ooh. in like a year. Um, but we're going to do a, a thousand subscriber special. But yeah, it's all about, it's been about that switch is a, has been about um, what YouTube wants creators to do. And if you do these shorts and you do some engaging content, they just get fed into the algorithm and um, the videos will like blow up. Um, now they stop as soon as they start, maybe an hour later, you get zero views on it. But um, I don't think long form videos are going away um, at all. But uh, yeah, this is, this is a great time for me to continue sharing this work with everyone and uh, get more people to see it at the same time. And uh, it fits within my time budget. You know, it also shows that these short form videos are how people are learning. I recently just read an article that most of the young folks today are using TikTok as a 40% of this next, this now generation yeah. of children, kids yeah. are using My TikTok kids. as a search engine instead of oh, Google. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so yeah. these short, like, it's just the impact yeah. that these short videos and the yeah. information that you've got loaded in yeah. a lot of yours yeah. is really impactful. And especially with a species like Conixus for people who are interested. You have great videos, by the way, Thanks. that if you're interested in Conixus, you need to go look to Turtle Tom and Everything we've talked about today is very likely found in all those videos, including acclimating tortoises and what works and whatnot. And then it's entertaining and, 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 and informative all at the same time. So I think it was a great switch and you kind of made me, I'm starting to put a few up myself, but um, cool. it, it, it's easier to be honest, but, yeah. oh, um, it's it's... but it's also how many short videos of turtles do you have? Like your animals, like, I mean, I, I was looking through mine, like, <laughs> yeah. holy cow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, what's so um, interesting is that this is a return to what YouTube was in 2006, which was you get out your little flip camera and put a 30 second video up. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a return to the beginning, strangely. Uh, one thing I've, I, I really like about your content, not just the turtle stuff, is that your family's involved. You yeah. always, you like, and I love yeah. that. Um, my family, they're kind of into the reptile stuff. Turtles definitely opened them up. Like they yeah. were a lot more involved at that point, yeah. Yeah. but it's tough to get them as involved as I see yours. And I was just curious, like, was it difficult to capture their interest or were they just naturally um, like, let's do this? Cause yeah, it's I, just so energizing. So they, they watch YouTube and I, I, my kids, so Kenan Harkin and Camp Kenan, I saw my kids watching that one day and I'm like, what is this? Like, I need to stop watching this because if I don't, in five years, I'm going to be like doing my own YouTube channel with, and have 40 tortoises in my basement. Um, but I, I think the kids just were like, oh, dad's doing YouTube? Like, that's cool. I, I, I'd like to be in those videos. And um, I, I let them. I, I never push them or, you know, like I'll ask, like, hey, can you film for me today? Nah, not really. Or I'll say, hey, 
do you want to be in this video or do you want to film for me and kind of give them the choice so or do you want to go play rocket league some more um yeah <laughs> yeah so um what's fascinating is that my my oldest um he is very interested in the emotional health and well-being of the animals forming these very close bonds um my middle child loves to skate <laughs> builds the enclosures <laughs> and in a month is ready to go on to the new animal uh, and and my daughter um she likes she just i feel guilty because she's learned so much from watching kratz creatures um on tv and i'm like uh i feel bad that barton and chris kratt have taught my child more about nature than i have um <laughs> but um she just she's a natural teacher and she just just loves to narrate what's going on so they all have their own little interests and that's that's what i'm trying to pick up on and and nurture yeah you gotta love it you know, it just, I think, again, it's, it's not, I'm not necessarily correlating it to like the TTPG conference and, yeah. but it's that energy boost, you know, yeah. when your kids yeah. are into like your yeah. passion, even a little bit, it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm ready. Let's do some more. Yeah. And for me doing this, I was not going to do this if it wasn't something we could all do together in some way. Because that's not just, just your escape. Yeah. Your escape room. It would not be successful. <laughs> Um, and you know, having lots of turtles and tortoises is sometimes stressful on the family. And I think anybody that ever has been to a turtle and tortoise preservation group meeting, you'll, you'll meet some people where, that have experienced that and then needed to downsize their collection significantly. So, you know, if, if there's not an emotional involvement with the whole family, then, um, I just, I, I, I would feel like I was cheating my kids and, 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 and family in some way. So, um, I'm just glad that they, they find their own interests in it. I think that's very well said, Tom. Thank you. All right. Um, well, that's really, I think it's also the questions I had for you today. Um, is there anything, uh, do you have any questions for me or? I don't know. <laughs> I know, I just turned it on you. Yeah. Uh, no. no, it's all right. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm super excited for you um, with uh, hatching these homiana. Um, now, do you have separate bloodlines? Are you keeping your animals together? I was curious about that. Uh, for the, <clears throat> excuse me. I, the male of the, so I've got three more eggs hatching. One is a sibling to the two that I just hatched, like full on sibling. And the other two are from a different pair. Okay. So I've got a, uh, I've got a, a male on loan from Jeremy. We did a loan swap. I, I loaned yeah. out some um, uh, spec eye yeah. to him. Yeah. And that one has gone, he bred to a female, I think a 2015 2014 captive bred female from David Mifsud. Yeah. And that's the ones that are hatched. And then okay. I've also got that same male bred with a um, 2015 Dwight Lawson line okay. female yeah. that's on loan from Michael Ogle. 
Okay. Um, and I have two eggs incubating still. They're probably like a, maybe 45, 60 days away from hatching. Yeah. Yeah. So See, you're, once you're... that happens, I'm going to reach out to folks and just be like, I reach out to Jeremy and Michael and, yeah. or, uh, and, and see like, Hey, where should we, where do these yeah. want to get placed? I mean, I don't want to, you know, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx the other three eggs hatching. But... Oh no, there, there's no reason. I'm, once, once they go they, they're. Uh, I've only had one egg not hatch and it was my fault because I pulled it from the box when we were going on vacation. I did not want it to eat perlite and that was not a good idea. So I will never oh. do that again. Um, but, <laughs> you know, once, unless the egg cracks or something like that, once they get to 120 days, they're going to hatch. So now that's exciting. exciting. Yeah, Tyler... Uh, I haven't talked to Tyler Brooks in a while, but, you know, he set that big group up of Homiana. Um, Kurt Edwards was working with Homiana, but he, he does not work with those animals anymore. Um, but there's really not that many people producing Homianas, um, even though it feels like there should be, or there are, there, there, I mean, Jeremy and me, and now you, um, I think, are the only three people that I know that have produced them. I mean, there might this year, this year, there might be some sleepers out there. There, I'm, I'm sure there are that you know people just not in the community. But um, man, I mean, we have the real opportunity to work on Homiana, um, and as many people we can get, the better, um, because they're going to be a five hundred or thousand dollar tortoise in a decade is my oh my gosh and yeah it's going to destroy everything though <laughs> yeah i know it'll be know. it'll be a godsend and a, a, you know, know, a burden and but, a curse but a, but and, and i and I, I i put it in monetary value because just by saying that alone we we can understand what the implications are of that um but i it's coming you know as soon as they're not being imported anymore uh three years after nobody's bought them at all and they come on the market and you know they see our videos and what we're doing people are going to want them so um yeah it's a great species to work with i've thoroughly loved working with them they've been yeah. they've been fun um and like you said when borders are closed they're closed yep. um and that's that'll happen i yeah, it's just it a matter of in Togo, not so. if it's when yeah yeah it happened in Togo. so we're, oh. we're at a good a good time, but yeah, they need our help. They all need our help, but especially Homiana. Now I'm pumped. I need to go sell some snakes and um, <laughs> yeah. and get rid of them and make more turtle space. Do you want some snakes, Tom? You're. I'd love to have one of those <laughs> black rats, those albinos, because um, th that's the one snake that I've owned. Um, was an albino black rat snake for about I don't know five, six, seven years in college and high school. And, uh, but my wife is, she has a true phobia of rodents. Oh. Yeah, not snakes. That was a twist I didn't see coming right there, but, Tom. But rodents. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we can't. What about birds? Birds are fine. We, we've, we don't have any birds, though. Rat snake love to eat. Oh, I, yeah, I feel a lot of mine, yeah. chicks and quail. Yeah, yeah. Now, now. Um, <laughs> 
yeah i'm a bad influence again here well we would see uh if the phobia extended to snakes if we got that far but but (laughs) but um i i've truly uh uh it's she she's just absolutely terrified of uh uh mice uh she was a saint for letting our child have uh, dwarf hamsters for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Um, that's riding. That's flying close to the sun. Yes, because our middle <laughs> child wanted them so bad. And one got out one night and, um, you know, I hadn't had hamsters in a while, but, you know, you just think of hamsters as these little kind of plunky things that don't really move fast. Well, the hamster wheel, right? Duh. They, they can bolt fast <laughs> and that's what they're doing when they're running on the hamster wheel. They're, they're like running five miles an hour. So just imagine one of those at like two o'clock in the morning running, running across our hardwood floors in our bedrooms. I'm trying to get this thing as it's like <laughs> underneath the bed. I'm laughing and, and also feeling sorry for your wife. My wife is just like hysterical. And I'm trying not to kill it too, to catch it. You know, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you safely catch something that's going really, really fast, but <laughs> really soft and fragile all at the same time? We, we cornered it, I think. All right, maybe I threw a towel on it, but um, that was not a good night. No, no, <laughs> no. I think that might've set the stage for where you're at now a little further, maybe. Yeah. But um... yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're not, uh, snakes are awesome. Um, they're so convenient, I guess, is that's a very good way. Is, yeah, when you mentioned the these large turtle collections, like yeah. going on vacation, you know, I was like, mm, yeah. do I have a friend who can come over at least once? Yeah. Yeah. Snakes is like, ah, you're all right. I'll yeah. feed you, give you fresh yeah. water. When I get back, I'll clean everybody up. You'll be all right. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I wish turtles were like that, especially babies. But um, oh. my adults are pretty, pretty rock solid and could go. You know, I, I load them up with food and water, and my adults can 100% go for a week. I put cameras on, but the babies, you know, I'm feeding those guys and soaking them every other day, minimum. Um, usually that's good that's what i'm doing <laughs> so yeah i'm doing something oh, right like tom's doing oh uh, well yeah um plus it's just fun to look at them uh yeah when they're, when they're little and just watch them crawl all over each other and little and pokey little spikes <laughs> around their shells and their big alien eyes yeah they're they're pretty pretty cool pretty cool species so yeah because you, you primarily you were keeping snakes quite quite a few right yep yep i mainly work with carpet pythons and rat snakes yeah is what i focus on and then uh because i think they're very similar again this different oh yeah yeah um yeah yeah what's the word cross-continental analogies yeah Yeah. i think that rat in my brain looks at rat snakes and carpet pythons and how they fill um the environmental niches they do yeah. are very similar like box turtles and, and conixus yeah. in my brain I, and i think black rats are just like mini pythons they're yeah. very ant they're not yeah. active foragers necessarily yeah i mean they are but but they're more ambush they're, they're yeah. way more arboreal than i think oh, yeah. people really really think. 
Oh, there's totally are. And they're strong. Yeah. Really, really cool snakes. Yeah. I, I, I'll always have a couple of each, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but I could probably go down a few to make some more tortoise space. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was in college, I got to go to Australia for three months. Um, and mm. so I got to see rock or um, I, one of the locales you work with is Rockhampton, which I think is so cool because I stayed oh. in Rock, Rockhampton for a couple days, maybe two nights. But um, yeah, I got to see carpet pythons. I think one really good observation in Australia. Um, not a lot of them, though. Don't you don't see them very often. Um, but just just a cool snake to see it just sitting on the side of the trail like a big carpet python pretty big around it's just yep that's a wild animal <laughs> and, you know i'm not in asia or costa rica or somewhere i'm i'm more in a temperate system and um the where i saw it um they can actually have snow there um and and of course i was down in the diamond python range too um oh talk about cold where they do <laughs> they, they, and and you know they have uh ski resorts in in southern australia southeast australia they actually have alpine tundra which you wouldn't think of having alpine tundra in australia but yeah mount kaziasco no. uh huh. kaziasco national park and that's sort of the lowland areas around there are the diamond python uh, habitat but you know diamond, what we did yeah well, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was a diamond I, python breeders will, you know, a lot of, and, and through the brumation and, or it's not really a brumation, but through the cooling period, yeah. routinely drop them into the low fifties. Oh, yeah. As long as they get a little warmer throughout the day and, and they, they do just fine. Yeah. It's, they're a lot more tolerant than we give them credit for. I think that's probably true for a lot of reptiles, oh, but yeah. you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure there are photos of diamond pythons like on snow basking. Yeah, totally. Um, some of the uh, some of the eucalypts down there are called snow gums. Even I I think that's because they're from the south. Um, but the the coolest thing down there are the water dragons. Um, you, they're everywhere. Like snakes. I mean, you you'll see snakes. The first snake we saw was a red-bellied black snake. And when we got back, we're like, read the book and they're like, oh, don't need to worry too much about red, red belly black snake. If you get bit, um, you'll probably lose a limb, but you won't die. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I would like to take so all my limbs. <laughs> yeah, I would like to take all my limbs back to um, the United States as a 20 year old. But um, it's fascinating because they do not they they snake education there is these animals live around your house and they will kill you we need to learn to live with them because you know what happens if you try to kill it you're gonna die um yep and so i will never forget this snake educator um that was giving a presentation i felt like a you know spy or something like that but australia day in canberra that's their fourth of july they, they've got this big canvas ring 
and he's bringing out like tiger snakes and taipans and just letting them crawl and we're like looking in and this this i mean they take it they take snakes so seriously down there and they have such a respect for the animals and they live with them um and so they're not killing them they're they're respecting them and it's just a whole different culture surrounding snakes compared to our venomous snake culture traditionally in this country um it just it blew my mind um really a lot of cool stuff there but no tortoises i know they're really missing out they're really missing out they have all that cool fauna but not the coolest not the coolest so yeah well shoot tom it's been real i've had a blast um awesome information awesome conversation thank you so much for coming and and talking and yeah maybe we'll talk some more uh in some future episodes sounds good all right thank you guys so much for tuning in that was a wonderful conversation had with my pal tom arbor uh always love talking turtles with folks especially conixus uh so there's a lot of great information there a lot of good conversation uh, Tom's a really interesting and fun fella. Um, so Tom, again, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to uh, sit down and talk with me about turtles on the interwebs here. So uh, everyone else, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll see you soon on another episode of Let's Talk Turtles. Thank you so much. Thank you.